The trail of life comes with many forks. Should you go left or should you go right? It's often difficult to know. Some trails lead to places you don't want to go. Other paths are too dangerous and not worth the risk. Still others fail to deliver on what they promise. Just how do you know? But then another hiker arrives. He's walked these trails before. Sometimes he simply points in the right direction, but other times he says, here, come walk with me. Will you choose the way of the wise? Whoever walks with the wise will be wise. So back in the late uh, 1980s, which is getting back quite a ways now, there was a guy by the name of H. Jackson Brown. I have no idea who he was, but he was sending his kid off to college. And he kind of felt like all of us who've sent kids off to college feel kind of those mixed emotions. Like you're really excited for them to take this next step of life. And at the same time, you're like, you're going to miss them. And you're really hoping that they do well. And you're worried about them. And you kind of go back and forth. And he was feeling those emotions. And so we decided to sit down on a Saturday morning and just write out a few thoughts for his son that could be like words of advice for, for him to follow as he went off to college. And what he intended to be just like a little two-hour exercise on a notepad on a Saturday morning ended up becoming a several-day thing as he kept just having one idea after the next and one idea after the next of these words of advice that he wanted to give his son as he was going off to a college and actually going on into adulthood. And he gave that uh, not just a little uh, notepad to his son, he actually gave him a binder with 511 different words of advice for his son. Well, his son loved it, and they kind of got passed around and eventually went to a publisher, and they actually put out this book uh, written by, H, uh, by this H. Jackson Brown called Life's Little Instruction Book. And uh, I picked it up years ago, but it just has all kinds of different little nuggets in it that are, are things that you should, uh, should do if you, if you want to live your life well. For instance, um, this was advice number 166, avoid negative people. It's pretty good advice. Another one says, resist telling people how something should be done. Instead, tell them what needs to be done, and they'll often surprise you with creative solutions. Another one was this, and this is a great one to say to a kid going off to college, be neat. That's it, be neat. And then I, I thought this was um, a good one, never give up on what you really want to do. The person with dreams is more powerful than the one with all the facts. And then I thought this one was good on the, the last page here, number 172, it says, be suspicious of all politicians. So life hasn't changed that much in the last 30 years, I guess. But I mentioned that this morning because this guy came up with 511 things of what he would advise his son with, advice that he would give. But I want to challenge you this morning to come up with not 511, but to just come up with three. So let's just pretend for a minute that you 
are going to send your kid off to college. And some of you, that means putting it in reverse and playing it back. Some of you, that means the fast forward. And if, for those of you, it means fast forward. It's coming way quicker than you think. And some of you are actually living in that moment right now where you're sending a kid off to school or will be in the next year or so. Here's my question for you. What are the three pieces of advice that you would give to your child? You don't get 511, you just get three. What are the three things that you would tell them? So take a minute to think about that this morning. Hard to condense it down to three. 511 sounds way more doable, doesn't it? Well, I want you to think about that this morning because we're going to look at something in Proverbs chapter 31 where it's a parent condensing down advice to a child into three simple things. And we're going to look at those in just a minute. That's in Proverbs chapter 31 if you want to turn there on your, on your device or if you want to turn there with your Bible. But as you're turning there, let me just go back and review a little bit where we've been the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about this idea of wisdom, but wisdom's a little bit nebulous, isn't it? It's kind of like an abstract concept. It's hard to get kind of like a concrete uh, grip on it. But we said uh, back a couple of weeks ago that wisdom is the ability to look down the road to identify probable or possible outcomes and to act accordingly. And we use the story of David and Abigail, who Abigail said, hey, well, wait, look down the road there, David. See where this is taking you? Are you sure you want to go there? And he's like, mm, nope. And he was on the way of the wise, willing to listen to Abigail, turns around and goes the other direction. Last week, we talked about Solomon in the story with the mothers and the babies. But we said this, that wisdom is the ability to sort out options and to make good choices. And there's so much information coming at us in life sometimes we need the wisdom to separate it all out, to test the truth, and to know what's really going to be helpful to us. Well, we're going to give a different face to wisdom this week, and we're going to say it's this simply. Wisdom is the ability to live well. Wisdom is the ability to live well. And that's in every area of life, how you handle your money, how you handle your relationships, how you carry yourself, how you steward your uh, resources, how you face temptation, how you live out your faith. All of these things are demonstrations of wisdom because there are ways that we live well. Now, let me just flip the script here a little bit this morning because so far I've asked you, what is the word of advice that you would give? What I want to ask us now or do is, is to shift from the parent giving the child advice to be the child receiving advice from the parents because that's what actually happens in the story that we're looking at. But I want to ask you this question then. Are you living well? Are you living well? Well, the way of the wise, we look for somebody who can give us advice. In this case, how can we live well? And so that's why we're going to Proverbs chapter 31. And hopefully you're there. Book of Proverbs was written mostly by Solomon, but not completely. Solomon actually wrote the first 24 chapters, and I'm glad that he did, because the wisest man who ever lived, we have this, this compilation of all of his wisdom. It's put into these Proverbs, this portable truth that we can take with us really simply. But he was done at the end of chapter 24. About 200 years later, King Hezekiah came along. And there were more of these Proverbs of Solomon that were existing out there. And he collected them and he added them. So chapters 25, 6, 7, 
8 and 29, those five chapters are all Proverbs of Solomon, but he didn't put them in the book. Hezekiah put them in there 200 years later. And then you get to chapter 30. And now we have a new voice. So up till now, it's all been Solomon. We have a new voice, and it's a guy by the name of Agur. And he writes to his friends, Ithiel and Eucal. And we have no idea who Agur, Ithiel, and Eucal are. There, it's just there, and it's included in this book. And then we get to chapter 31, and we have another new author. And this is the, well, it's the, it's, the author is Lemuel, but Lemuel is actually sharing what his mother told him. So he's passing on this advice that he's been given. Now, again, we don't really know for sure who Lemuel is, but there is speculation here. And it's assumed that Lemuel is actually King Solomon. And that this may have been a name, Lemuel, that his mother called him. Instead of Solomon, she called him Lemuel, like a, a middle name or a nickname. And that name actually has meaning. That means um, from God. And if that's the case, and we're going to assume that it is this morning, if that's the case, that means that this is Bathsheba and what she actually told to Solomon. So the rest of the book of Proverbs, Solomon has been telling his son, here's ways that you can live well. And we get to the very last chapter, and we flip that script, and here we have the parent telling him how he could live well. And what she does here is what I just asked you to do. She gives three things of advice. So Solomon's you know, got this whole book full of stuff on here's how to live well. And Lemuel's mother says, I'm just going to make it, I'm just going to you know, reduce this down to three. And we're going to go with that. Now let me just mention a couple things before we dive into this. First of all, note the role of the mother in this story. And if you're a mom, you have incredible opportunity for impact and for influence. And in the home that I grew up in, I uh, grew up in a great home, uh, mom and dad. My dad was a pastor. My dad was a good man. I learned a lot of things from my dad. But I would, to be completely honest, I think I got more from my mom. And I was influenced more by my mom. She never stood up and gave a speech or anything else like that. But she just lived her faith and um, loved her kids and was as real as could be. And I just point that out to everybody who's a mom here. You have an incredible opportunity. And I think also we see from this just the incredible wisdom that women have. In fact, if you look in the book of wisdom, or not the book of, well, it's called that, but the book of Proverbs, wisdom is often personified, but it's always personified as a woman. And I just think that's interesting to note. And uh, for all of you women, how much you bring to the table um, insight, and sometimes we even say intuition, but perception and wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom that sits in this room that, uh, that belongs to, to the women in this room, and we are the richer. Those of us who are not women are the richer for having you in our lives. So that's just my little aside before we jump into this passage. So we're in Proverbs chapter 31, verse number one. The sayings of King Lemuel an inspired utterance that his mother taught him. And so we, we don't know who Lemuel is, but we do know that his name means literally from God. And if you think about this, there are many names in the Bible that end with that, that those two letters at the end, E-L, which is, is a reference to God, Samuel, Nathaniel, Daniel, Michael, um, Israel. Those are, those are all Word, the, the meaning of the name has something to do with God. And so Lemuel is from God or belonging to God. 
But it's interesting even in this verse that we notice that this isn't just something that she told him. This is something that she taught him. And I kind of get the impression here that this is something that, that just she mentioned over and over and over and over again. And, and if you grew up in the home that I grew up in, that's how it worked. There were certain things that were just mentioned over and over and over again until it became a part of us. And there are certain things that I can just kind of still say in my sleep that I heard all the time. I could still hear my dad say, you can always afford to be gracious. And there's a solution to every problem. And it's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. And here's the classic, get up, you're not hurt. You know, all of those things I just heard going through my, and I can still hear my parents saying things like that. And, and that's the impression I have with this. But she starts in verse number two with an appeal. And she says this, listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. And three times she uses that word, listen. Now, if you're using it and looking at a different version, you may see a different word there. The old NIV would use the word oh. So it's oh, my son, oh, son of my womb, oh, my son. The King James Version uses what. If you're looking at that, what, my son, what, son of my womb. It comes from a Hebrew word ma, but the, the, the King James maybe has it the most correct here. Because it's a word of incredible intensity. And it's, it's almost like a mom saying to her kid, what, what? What, what do I tell you here? I got to get this across to you. You got to get this. What do I say here? And that's the intensity with what she's talking about here. It's a plea, and it's her plea for her son to listen, but to actually live what she shares here. And so she mentions three things, and this is where she shifts from an appeal into her advice in verse number three. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. And so here's the first word of advice that she gives. She's only getting good three. This is what she picks for number one. Don't let women take you down. Okay? Let's keep reading. Verse number four. It's not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine. Not for rulers to crave beer. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprived all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing and wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. And there we get our second piece of advice. Don't let alcohol mess you up. Now, did anybody have those two on your list? Okay, let's keep reading here. Verse number eight, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, depend the rights of the poor and the needy. And so there's the third thing there, is simply this, watch out for the underdog. And so she's got three pieces of advice to give to her son, and those are the three things that she picks. And I'm like, huh, it's an interesting list. Uh, okay, I got it. And then you move on. And... I suppose if you do these three things, you'll be fine, but it seems to me like there's a lot more to life than just these, these three things here. But this is the advice that she gives us on this path of a wise mother that we can take to heart. So let's think about this a little bit more, and let's back up for a second here, even as we talk about the appeal where we started, because I think that shows the heart of the mother, or maybe I should say the heart of the parent here. And here's the first thing that she says. If you go back to verse number two, she says this, listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son. She makes a big point here, which is what? You are my son. 
Have you ever said that to your kid? You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my kid. Pretty powerful words. And a pretty powerful thought. And sometimes we say this to our kids. Hey, don't remember, or don't forget, excuse me, don't forget who you are. You know, you are, you are part of, of this family. You belong to us. You have some values to live by. You have some reputations to live by. You have worth that comes even in the fact that you just belong to me. And I've said that to my kids even, you know, as they're growing up. Don't forget you're a wood. Just a reminder. What does that mean? I'm not talking about their, you know, their ancestry. I'm talking about this is who you are. You are my kid here. And she is saying this to her son. Don't forget that you are my son. Powerful words from a parent to a child. But then she also says this. You are from God. You are God's child. You are literally, from that verse, you are the answer to my prayers. Maybe the answer to prayers like Samuel was for Hannah. I don't know. If you know the story here, and if this indeed is Bathsheba talking to her son, you will know that, the, the, that her first child with David um, died. And so I think there was maybe this moment even in Bathsheba's life was like, well, okay, I've blown it. And, you know, I've had this adulterous affair with David, and we've really messed up here, and we lost a child as part of, the, of that. And, and I'm probably just now been, been shut out, and God doesn't care anymore, and God's mad at me and whatever else like that. And what does she say here, though? But God answered my prayer, and God gave me you. And there's incredible evidence of grace in this moment. That Solomon comes along and God's like, okay, yes, you sinned, but we're done with that. We're moving on here. In fact, God didn't call Solomon Solomon, and God didn't really call him Lemuel, if it indeed is Lemuel. He actually called him Jedediah. And that was the name that God gave Solomon, which means what? It means loved by the Lord. And so what she says to her son is, don't forget, you are God's child. You are loved by him. You belong to him. He cares about you. He's involved in your life. He gives you value. He gives you worth. You are God's child. And we all can claim that too. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gave the power to become sons and children of God. And as you sit here this morning, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you can claim that. I am God's child. That's pretty cool. If you could pick any family to be in, that's probably the one I'd pick. But she says this to Solomon, don't forget whose you are. You are God's. Now, we do this baby dedication where we we have our young couples here, and it was great this this, uh, this past year when we were able to do that and to see all the, the young life and, and new kids in our church. And we stand here and we make that commitment to say this child belongs to God. But here's the problem. None of your kids remember that. So you need to remind them. Your kids need to be reminded of the fact that they're God's. 
Their God's more than they're yours. And that God loves them dearly and desperately. And, and that God brought them into this world. And that God brought them into this world with a plan and a purpose. And that God has got them. And, he, and they have his full attention. And our kids need to hear that. You are God's child. And that's what she says to Lemuel here. And then she says something else. And it's in verse number three. It says, do not spend your strength on women or your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine. She says this, you are the king. Don't forget that you are the king. There are people who are looking up to you. There are people who are depending on you. There are people who are admiring you. There are people who are looking to you to see how they're supposed to act. And they're looking to see how you act, to see how it's going to go in the kingdom here. You are the king. And you have a higher standard to live by. And I think we need to be reminded of that. We can remind our kids of that is the fact that we are kings in a sense too. And we don't have to be kings to live. When I say that, we're kings in that we're called to live by a higher standard. We don't live like everybody else. I hope we don't. And that's partly as Christians, that's just, you know, we have choices in life where we can make, that we can take good paths and good decisions and where we can live better. And that's what she's calling Lemuel to us. Hey, live by a higher standard. You're a king. Act like it. Have high expectations for yourself. Live up to who you are. And so she has this advice, but this advice is, is, is couched in these simple facts. You're my son. You're God's child. And you are the king. And the point is simply this. You can't live well if you don't understand who you are. And for all of us, I think it's a good challenge to us this morning to stop back and say, okay, who am I? Because when I realize who I am, it starts to affect the choices that I make. And it also affects the person that I become. And as we looked at the, the three pieces of advice that she gave to her son, I think we read them as, well, do this or don't do this, don't do this and do this. When I really think the point here is be this, be this and be this. It's not just a do or don't. It's an actual thing. Here's the person that you need to become. So here's who you are. And here's who you can become. And if we could embrace these concepts then, that would affect how we live. And so she moves into her advice. Let's look at them again. But let's break it down a little bit more and see if there's maybe more to it than what we saw to start with. The first one was, don't let a woman take you down. But what is he saying on a broad picture here? Don't be inappropriately influenced by other people. We've used Proverbs 13, 20 as our theme verse for this series. Who you walks with the wise will be wise. But the second part of that verse says what? But a companion of fools will be destroyed. It's a reminder to us that who we associate with has a huge impact on our lives. And it doesn't just have to be uh, an, ad an adulterous woman. 
It can be any person in our lives who steers us away from God. Now, sadly, we see in Solomon's life that he didn't heed this advice. He got involved with a lot of different women, and they took him away from God. But that is the danger, and that's the caution that that she's after here is don't let other people, don't let your associations influence you in inappropriate ways. You could take it even further to say this, and where I think maybe was the case here, is don't be entrapped by sensual and sexual pleasures. And this isn't just to blame the woman in the case here, because there's no man who's ever gone anywhere that he didn't willingly go with another person. But we live in a sex-crazed world, and it's everywhere, and it's on the internet, and it's on the television, and it's in the conversation, where you work, and everywhere you turn, you're just inundated by all of this stuff. And I think there's a huge caution here to say, hey, do not be driven by those appetites in your life. And I would say that to all of us sitting here this morning. Where are you with that? What's going on in your private world, your secret world that you think nobody knows about? If you're feeding this in inappropriate ways, the the sensual, sexual side of life, you're looking for trouble. And you're not going to be the exception to the rule. So it's time to get out of dodge before you lose what you don't want to lose. I remember doing a funeral for someone who just before the funeral, confessed to an affair. It was awful. Because I had a family, it was just like, what do we think? But this is the advice is don't go there. And we live in a society where it's like, it's okay, you can just kind of move on from one person to the next or whatever. No, 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 no. That's not how we live well. I think you could take it even this way. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by lesser things. I think she's saying, hey, you're my child. You're a child of God. You're a child of king. Have these high standards because there are things in life that are more important. And you may have to say no to some things so that you can say yes to some of these things over here. And so if I put this in words that would be a little bit different, but I think captures the essence of it, it's simply this. The suspense, when my clicker doesn't advance. Can you advance that for me back there? Protect your purity and your character. Or be pure and be honorable. This is pretty good advice to give to our kids. This is pretty good advice to receive ourselves. And what are you doing to protect your purity? What are you doing to protect your character? Because those two things are going to define a lot of your life. And they're going to determine whether you're going to live well or whether you're going to live pure uh, or live poorly. Well, she gave a second instruction there. She said, don't let alcohol mess you up. And let's be clear, the Bible does not forbid the use of alcohol. It does forbid drunkenness, and that's pretty clear. But it does warn us against alcohol's power and its influence. And it reminds us to be careful. And it's not something to play with. And it's not a toy. Because this is an old phrase from way back when. It says this, when drink enters, wisdom departs. But there's some truth to that. And so she's talking about moderation here. But I think it may even go a step beyond that. She says, hey, don't 
drink wine, this is verse number four, um, as the king, that's not your role as the ruler because if you drink and forget what's been decreed, you can really mess things up. You can deprive the oppressed of their rights and you can really make a mess of things. And so she, she gives that caution to him. But what's underneath that? Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, she's saying don't be driven by your physical appetites. And we can take that in, in the, the sensual world that we just talked about, but we can take that in a lot of different places too. Where a lot of times we do what feels best to us and the caution here is, no, 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 don't go there. Don't be driven by your physical appetites, whether that's drink, it could be food, it, it could be any number of things. Don't be, or excuse me, don't allow yourself to be compromised. And there are a lot of things from alcohol to associations to things that we expose ourselves that, that put us into compromising situations or that allow us to be compromised. And the challenge I think that she's giving to her son is don't get involved in something that's going to compromise you. Run from it, stay away from it. Don't allow yourself to be dragged down to a lower standard. And so she's saying this, practice discipline and self-restraint. Practice discipline and self-restraint. If you want to live well, <clears throat> do you think there's a more powerful word out there than discipline? Self-discipline? It's a pretty amazing if you look around at the world around us at how undisciplined people actually are. Sometimes scary. And I think what she is saying, hey, son, don't be one of those. Don't be one of those people who can't say no to himself or who can't make himself do what he's supposed to do or, or can't you know, stay focused on where he's supposed to go. Be disciplined. Practice self-restraint. And then there was her third instruction there. She said, watch out for the underdog. Now, this was the mantra of my mother growing up. She was forever saying, you need to be, you need to be nice to everybody. You have to be the friend of the person who doesn't have a friend. And I've told this story before, but it's such a, a powerful story. I'm going to tell it again. It was about 10, 12 years ago, I was... Um, my sister was teaching a speech and drama class at a school, and she was putting on a play... And this is about an hour from where I lived and about an hour and a half or two hours where I grew up. And she invited me to come to this play and I sat down at this play and I'm sitting there getting ready for us to start. And this guy taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around and look at him. I have no idea who he is, this stranger. He says, you probably don't remember me, do you? And I'm like, uh, no. And he gives me his name and it's like, okay, I've heard that name before. He says, we went to junior high together. And I'm like, oh, okay, I remember. And then he said this. You know, you, you probably don't know this, but like in junior high, you were the only kid who was ever nice to me. And, you know, he was kind of a different kid, you know, in junior high we are, right? But, my, but he went to our church, and my mom is like, you will be friends with everybody. And that means that he got invited over to my house to play. And I sat there that day and I was like, oh, thank goodness that I had that mom. That I wasn't one of those other people. And it wasn't me, but it was a great lesson there in looking out for the underdog. Look at these verses. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Don't be silent when other people need your voice. 
And there are people in our world who are struggling and are suffering and, and who have needs, and we have the voice or we have the resources or we have the opportunity to do something about it, and we need to do something about it. Back when this whole thing with, with George Floyd kind of exploded and it's gotten back a, a ways now, I picked up the phone and I called my friend Kurt Albert, who was working down at Cody High School down in Detroit with, with Oak Point Church in uh, the inner city of Detroit. And I said, okay, Kurt, help me to understand what I don't understand here with some of these things. And he said this, he said, this is the one thing you need to get, Brent. He said, the, the, the black community is not going to be helped unless the white community helps them because the white community has the power in this situation. And I kind of looked at him and listened. I was like, I'm not sure I even totally understand what you're talking about, but I'm trying to listen and I'm trying to learn. And that's what's led to me picking up a phone and trying to say, okay, who are some of the, the people that I know who are part of the African-American community and eventually led me to, to connecting with, with Pastor Parker and our whole relationship there? It was because of something that Kurt Albers had. Like, you need to be the one who does something about this. And I don't think we're solving the world's problems, but you know what? In this church, hopefully, we're working on some of the problems because that's what we're called to do here is to speak up when others need us to speak up. Don't allow the needy to be taken advantage of. And you know what? There's a lot of people in our world who will gladly take advantage of other people. You watch it. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've been taken advantage of don't be that person. In fact, be the person who goes in the other direction, who's looking out for the person who's been taken advantage of and trying to do what you can to help them. And I would say this too, don't live your life in transaction mode. We have a tendency to fall into this, that we, we think there should be like reciprocity in everything. So if, if I say hi, you say hi back. If, if I give you $5, and if I need it in, in three weeks, you give me $5 back. But everything, or at least give me a thank you, right? And we do everything that we do because of what we get in return. And what this is a call to is to do what you need to do and forget about what you get in return because it doesn't matter. Don't live life worried about what you're getting. Live life worried about what you're getting. And it doesn't need to equal out. Just be the giver. Just look for the person around you who is the down and out. It doesn't have to be hard. It, can be, it could be the person who simply needs a friend. Simply needs somebody to be nice to them. It could be the kid that needs somebody to sit next to them at lunch or in, in the lunchroom at break. It could be the neighbor who's living by herself or himself. But it's this challenge to look out for the people around us. And it really comes down to this point, which I think the mother is making here, is simply this. Pursue justice and grace. Talked about justice last week. Let's add grace to the, 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 the equation here. Justice and grace. How can I do what's right? How can I do what is kind and helpful and compassionate for the people around me? And that really leads to the second thing here. You can't live your life well if you don't rule yourself well. And so she comes and says, hey, guess what? You're the king. You're ruling over the whole kingdom here. But you need to start over here with you. Because if you don't rule you well, it's going to mess up everybody around you. 
pretty good advice, isn't it? There's a debate when you look at the book of Proverbs, whether this chapter here was like an add-on that somebody found later, and let's just throw this on here as an appendix. And it goes on here in, in this chapter 2. It talks about the, uh, the uh, Proverbs 31 woman that, w- that we've seen sometimes. I actually think that it's kind of like intended to be the conclusion. That Solomon has said all of these things, and it's like, no, but you know what? All of these things come out of three simple ideas. You, you know, you, you um, practice these things, you live well in these ways, and it will go well with you. So this is the advice that the mother gives him on the way of the wise. Remember whose you are, remember who you are. And the question for all of us this morning is simply this, who are you and who are you becoming? Are you becoming a person of purity? Are you becoming a person of integrity and character? Are you becoming a person of discipline? Are you becoming a person of restraint? Are you becoming a person of justice? Are you becoming a person of grace? The title of this message was Living Well with Lemuel. That's it right there. Purity, character, discipline, restraint, justice, and grace. Let's pray. God, thank you for the wisdom that we get from your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we get also just to see life lived the people around us. Thank you also for the people that you put into our lives who help us, like our moms, like our parents, like all these people who walk the way of wisdom. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The first question is, are you God's child? Have you ever invited Jesus Christ into your life as your forgiver? That's why he came to this earth and died on the cross for your sin. And he forgives your sin. Bathsheba's sin was pretty ugly. It was adultery. David was involved in the same thing, and his was just as ugly. And yet God forgave them. And God is a God who forgives through Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Jesus Christ for forgiveness. I'd encourage you to do that right now, this morning, where you sit. The second question is this. Have you forgotten who you are? Maybe it's the family that you grew up in. It's certainly the God who loves you. He gave his son for you. Have you forgotten that you're a king in his sight? And have you forgotten maybe that we're called to be? We're called to be people of purity and character and restraint and discipline and grace and justice. Which of those things do you really need to focus on in your life? God, help us to walk the way of the wise, not to be like Solomon, who listened, who had this drilled into him and still walked away from wisdom. Help us to do better, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you to stand. And Becca's going to lead us in one last song here before we're dismissed this morning. Thank you.